Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. No one likes to be judged. But guess what? Today, Dr. Jennings suggests that we are facing not one, but four judgments. What's he talking about? Let's ask him. He joins us via Skype. By the way, this program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Dr. Jennings, four judgments, mercy. What do we need to know? Listener, I just told Charles the name of the program today, The Four Judgments. Yes. Notice what Charles did. Charles assumed that we are facing judgment. Ah. This is exactly how people hear the word judgment. Perfectly appropriate and one legitimate way the word can be heard. Hearing the word judgment, we're facing judgment, connotes to most people a judicial process, a courtroom, a prosecutor, an accuser, a defense attorney, evidence being presented, a judicial finding by a judge that then either finds guilt or not guilty, rewards or punishments. This is how most people think of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to suggest to you, we're going to go through the four judgments in Scripture, that none of them in Scripture are actually that, not one of them. Good. But because humans have falsely accepted the lie, have accepted the lie that God's law functions like human law, this idea of a courtroom with a judge reviewing evidence and forming verdicts is how human judicial systems work or judgments or human law works. And we've projected that onto God. People hear judgment and read scripture through that faulty or fraudulent lens. In the Bible, there are four different judgments, and none of them are judicial or legal in process. Hmm. They all are something else. So let's go through the four judgments. Good. The first judgment, we find evidenced in Eden. After God created a sinless world and put Adam and Eve in a perfect paradise, there is an enemy that presents himself in the form of a serpent and lies about God. And Adam and Eve have to make a judgment. Mm. Who do they believe? Will they trust and believe God or will they believe the serpent? And so God is being lied about and Adam and Eve have to judge whether those lies are true or whether those lies are false. This is the same judgment, the first judgment, which is the judgment of God that we are doing, that Elijah at Mount Carmel calls the people to in 1 Kings 18.21. Elijah says, if the Lord is God, worship him, but if Baal is God, worship him. Make a judgment. If you want it more explicitly stated, then in Romans 3.4, Paul writes, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you, God, may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. Hmm. Hmm. You see, the battle between Christ and Satan started when the liar, the, the father of lies, told lies about God, and every intelligent being in the universe has to make a judgment. Who do we judge to be true? What kind of God do we judge God to be? And Jesus came and revealed the truth about God on his life journey, so we could know, and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. And this is why he said in John 12, if I be lifted up, we'll draw all unto me. Some of the versions say all men, but men is supplied. Jesus didn't say that. It's all. All, meaning heavenly angels as well, because they were lied to about God as well. Mm -hmm. And that's why Paul says in Colossians, 
that through Christ all things in heaven and in earth are reconciled. So we have the truth revealed to us about God through Christ, which allows us to make a right judgment that God is trustworthy. And as we trust God and open our heart to him, that ultimately then results in receiving his indwelling spirit and our salvation. Another aspect of the first judgment after Christ's victory, Satan attacks the church and infects the church with a Roman concept of law, of rules made up, and God's a punishing God, and you got to pay him off in various ways of blood sacrifices so he won't kill you, and he's an imperial punishing God that we must be protected from. And so at the end of time, God, through John the Revelator in Revelation 14, sent a message that is for our time today. It is, be in awe of God and give him glory for the hour of his judgment has come. The hour has come in human history for people to finally stop worshiping the Dark Ages dictator. And it says, worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is. Come back to worship the creator whose laws are the laws reality are built upon. So the first judgment is our judgment of God. I like that because I've heard people say that text, and I always thought that uh, God will be judging us, but the hour of his judgment, we're judging him. That's an interesting twist. Everybody who teaches that God is having a judicial process, they're telling you that they see the Bible and God's government operating no different than a human law court. They're tearing God off his throne in heaven and making him look like a Roman dictator, and it's fraudulent. God is the creator. So this first judgment is not a judicial process. It's the judgment of the reality. Is God truly trustworthy or is Satan right? It's our judgment of the truth. All right. What's number two? This is exciting. So as we understand God's laws are the laws which reality are, are built upon, then the next judgment is understanding that when Adam and Eve sinned, they did not enter into a legal problem. They weren't holy, loyal, faithful beings who now were in legal trouble. They had a lethal problem. Hmm. They were dead in trespass and sin. And so the next is understanding that Adam's sin created a terminal condition for the human species and that all human beings are born in sin, conceived in iniquity. We have a condition that without remedy from our Savior will result in our death. And thus in Genesis 3, the seed of the woman is promised to come and crush the serpent's head and provide salvation. The entire Old Testament then is God continually assessing the circumstances and situations and making diagnostic judgments, diagnosing what's going on and what are the best therapeutic interventions that he needs to bring to bear so that the seed of the woman, his son, comes to be our savior to provide remedy to cure the condition. And this is what we see at the time of the global flood. God diagnosed, Genesis 1, that there is only one righteous man left on the earth and his family, and without that righteous man, there is no human willing to work with God for Messiah to be born. Mm. So God judges, the only way I can save the species is to intervene therapeutically to put the people to rest or to sleep in the grave with the flood and keep open avenue for Messiah so I can save the world. And this was therapeutic, not only for the people before the flood, because they needed Messiah to come, Adam and Eve and Seth, they need Jesus to come. The people since the flood, you and me, we need Jesus to come. So this was a judgment that we needed. But the people that died in the flood, this would be best for them. Why? 
because for 120 years, Noah had been preaching about a coming flood. And they laughed and they mocked at him. But when the rains came and the water started to come up, this was an instantaneous death. This was a process where they were able to have real-time evidence confirmed, hey, you know what? Noah was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. This gave every one of those people who died in the flood opportunity for repentance. While their mortal life may have been over, they could still choose to surrender to God and experience eternal life, like the thief on the cross who wasted his life in sinful living. But before he died, he accepted Christ and has eternal life. So the flood was God's judgment on what is most therapeutic to save the species human, bring his son, the Messiah, and also give everyone who was in wild rebellion against God one final opportunity for salvation. Mm -hmm. This is what we find going on in the Old Testament, God's multiple judgments through time of what's necessary to bring about salvation, but also the second judgment is God's individual judgment of the condition of our hearts and the therapeutic actions necessary to save us. You see this in Psalms 139, where David prays, examine me, O God, know my mind, test me and discover my thoughts, find out if there's any evil way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is also described in Malachi 3, where Jesus comes to his temple suddenly to purify the Levites and refine them like silver and gold. It says, I will come to you in judgment. This is the, some might call it the investigative judgment, or the cleansing of the sanctuary message. It's a metaphor of God coming to cleanse his people in heart, mind, and character before his second coming so that when he comes, we are ready to meet him. Because it says in Scripture that, quote, this is 1 John 3, 2, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So Christ is looking into the hearts of all who love him and surrender to him to identify any residual weaknesses, elements, or struggles that we have and provide remedy and help us overcome and heal us and restore us back into Christ likeness. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So that when he comes, we're like him. This is the second judgment. First judgment, our judgment of God. Second judgment, God's judgment of what's necessary diagnosis of the situation and what's necessary to heal us globally and individually and right. bring those therapeutic actions to bear. We've got four minutes. Give us the two more left. Third judgment is in Revelation 20, where it says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. This is during the thousand years where all the righteous saved live in heaven and review the records of history and discern and settle in their minds all the questions and all the concerns that they might have had so that their minds are settled that anyone who is lost is lost because of their persistent rebellion against God and that there was nothing more God could do to save them. Mm -hmm. This would be the thief on the cross who arises in the resurrection and knows very little about all of this, who has a lot of evidences and things to work out and judgments to make about why things are the way they are. That's the third judgment when we sit in judgment in heaven during a thousand years. And Paul refers to this also when he says, don't you know that we will judge angels in 1 Corinthians 6, 3? We will examine Satan and the fallen angels, and we will understand how it is they could be deceived in heaven in the first place, how that came to be, and our minds will be settled. Mm. And then the fourth and final judgment is the great white throne judgment, and it says the dead were judged according to the things that they had done in the books. Well, certainly this must be judicial. That's when the books are open. That's when the—well, 
Not quite so fast. In the Bible, what is recorded in the books, and the Bible tells you in multiple places, the names of the people are recorded in the books of heaven. Mm. Well, in the Bible, a name is symbolic of something. What's it symbolic of? Character. Character. So what's recorded in the books of heaven are not just the label Charles. It's your individuality, mm. your character, your personhood is recorded there. And what it's saying is that this great white throne judgment is simply the final diagnosis of the characters that people have. Those who've judged God rightly and opened their heart to him and received the indwelling spirit have the life of Christ reproduced in them. It's no longer I that live. Their characters are transformed to be like Christ, and the record books reveal that reality. But those who have rejected Christ and preferred selfishness, their characters are solidified into selfishness, and the record books reveal that reality. So think of the record books like medical records. Medical records do not determine the condition of a person's health. They simply record that condition. Mm. And so the records in heaven are not deterministic of who's saved and who's lost. Our characters, hearts, conditions are. But these final records are the accurate diagnostic confirmation of every heart and mind. And so Jesus said in Matthew 12, in the day of judgment, says, everyone will give account the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it is simply those who have been healed by God's grace, the final white throne judgment confirms them in their loyalty, and those who have rejected the final white throne judgment confirms them in their eternal loss. That is beautiful what you said on this program today, Dr. Jennings. It should bring us a great deal of hope and motivation. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. This program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. And until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>